This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, happy April, and welcome to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio with Charlie Dobbin, aided and abetted by yours truly, Dean Holland. How are you this morning, Charlie? I'm excellent. Happy April Fools to you. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Not suggesting, I mean, I, you know, you're a fool or no, anything. No. N- no, well, thank you for that. <laughs> I consider just not talking at the top of the show, just, you know, but then I thought that might not go over so well. So, how's your week been? What a joke. Uh, boy, has the weather been up and down. We've yeah. had every every form of weather, and today is gorgeous. I'm in studio. It is crystal clear, blue, warm, springy day here. But uh, yep. yeah, between the fog and the snow and the rain and the wind, it's been an interesting week. Yeah, it's true. I had to go back and forth to Toronto yesterday, and uh, you're right. Uh, just south of us, lots of slushy snow, sort of Duntru, Singhampton, that area. Mm-hmm. And then it cleared up, and on the way home, fog, 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 as oh, you say. I hate fog. Just And uh, yeah, this morning, I, I, I darted out about 15 minutes ago just to see what's happening in the garden mm-hmm. so I could do a quick report. And uh-huh. of course, it, really, it's all about. You know, there's that warm wind coming in. There's mm-hmm. sunshine, as you say, and lots of things popping up everywhere. I'm sure the same's happening with your garden. Absolutely. The birds are singing. The chipmunks are racing around, getting all excited about yeah. know, making a mess yeah. on my garden. I actually had a fox uh, come through that was hunting. Obviously, uh, has a den with uh, kits in it. So this fox was out, just caught a mouse thankfully caught one of the voles in my garden and made this little stash of, you know, buried this little stash of, of dead little rodents and then came back and collected them all and took them off, off into the woods. And that was in broad daylight. This was happening, like, right outside my, my window. And, um, wow. boy, you should have seen that the bulbs were flying. He was digging like crazy into the garden. I was like, well, I could stop him or I could let him get a vole. Maybe I'll just let him get a vole. <laughs> <laughs> so he got a vole. Yeah, and then, and then I went back nice. and fixed the garden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Hey, the lesser of two evils, right? Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, okay, let's uh, get out those numbers because yeah. we, uh, we're we going to have to take a break in a moment and then we'll come back. But uh, we would love, of course, for you to call us with your spring gardening questions. And uh, the number, if you live in Toronto, is 416-360-0740. Or if you live outside Toronto, anywhere in the province of Ontario, it is a toll-free call, one 866 740 Four seven forty, and of course, let Carlos know if you are a first-time caller, and I will give you your garden wings. We want you to call often. We want you to call early, and of course, one question per call, please. And uh, Charlie, have to take that first break, but we will be right back with much more on the Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. 
Yes, we are back here on The Garden Show, and as expected, the lines are lighting up. But, Charlie, I think you have uh, an announcement that we have to make before we get started. Well, we don't have to. I, I just If I, if I okay. can fit these things in, it's a reminder, if yeah. people don't already know, that next Monday, April the 10th, the Agent Court Garden Club will be meeting in person, 7.30 p.m., the Knox United Christian Education Centre, 2575 Midland Avenue, and it's Henke Thiessen who will be speaking all about hydrangeas, which is a good topic because they are one popular bunch of plants. <laughs> yes, popular and one that I don't have success with, so I need to go to that meeting. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, put that on your list. Hey, but there's <laughs> one more thing before we go to our callers. I just want to get this yep. off my plate. I had homework. From last week, <clears throat> Lewis called in. Uh, he was a Toronto gentleman who wanted to know more about something called, and he wasn't sure how to pronounce it, and I didn't even know what it was, chayote or coyote. Uh, anyway, I've since lo- thank you to many of our listeners who <laughs> sent me information, did my homework for me. Uh, Helmut Schleicher sent a great web link. So, Lewis, if you're listening, go to this web link. Uh, I will give you a little synopsis, though. So the the website is BC, as in British Columbia, bcfarmsandfood.com. So it turns out this uh, coyote is a squash. It's typically grown as a perennial in the tropics, but more and more people are growing it in the northern hemisphere. Of course, it grows as an annual here. It is bright green. It's pear-shaped. Uh, it's yeah long been cultivated all through the south, and it's got a whole bunch of different names uh, attached to it, you know, common names. It has a mild taste like a summer squash and the texture of a cucumber. It's easy to grow. It's a fast-growing vine, very productive. The vine, believe it or not, can grow six to nine meters in one season, so that's 20 to 30 feet. So wow. make sure you've got something you know strong for it to grow on. Uh, and each vine can produce as many as 50 to 100 squashes per plant. And so they're Holy not, camoli. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, this is a serious plant. So start, the way you propagate them is sort of odd, but bottom line is you get two whole unblemished mm-hmm. of these squashes, and you can usually pick them up at an Asian grocery store, put them in a cool, dry, dark place, such as a cupboard, wait, and they will start to sprout out the top of the squash. So three to five weeks, little green sprout will start to grow. When that happens, keep them in the dark until the sprouts are about two to three inches long, and now you can start uh, planting. And, of course, the entire fruit will go into the pot with the sprout uh, poking out of the soil. Warm, sunny spot indoors until we're frost-free. Be careful to not overwater. Uh, so really let it dry out between waterings. And then outside once we're frost-free and uh, enjoy. <laughs> but you wow. won't um, actually harvest any fruit until quite late in the season. It doesn't even flower till like August. And then it's, you know, September, October before you get any, any fruit. And it's not frost-hardy. So you hope to get some fruit before frost kills it, the vine. Right. But it's certainly sounds like when it does start to sprout fruit whole, you like yeah. stand back. Look out. It goes yeah. out of its mind. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Okay, okay, okay. Let's go to our first caller. We have uh, Michael, uh, who is calling from Toronto. Welcome to the Garden Show, Michael. Okay, good morning, Dean and Charlie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I have a question about uh, transplanting uh, uh, seedlings, and this would be bush seedlings. So what I have is um, red bud. Mm-hmm. in the backyard, and it's uh, mature specimens that have seeded here and there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm trying to uh, get a best time to transplant them. They've been there maybe where they are now, but not wanted, mm-hmm. about uh, two, three years. Mm-hmm. So they they 
they're of a you know a yeah. fair size, we'll say. Although I must tell you very quickly, rabbits love them, and if oh. I don't protect them, their first choice meal. Wow! So they just right strip down to the root. They mm. eat the whole thing. It's really sad, but that's another story. Right. So you've so been doing like a little, and I want to move them to more optimal locations. Sure. When's the best time, and then how to best do that? Okay. So best time is while the plant is still dormant, and as we know, redbud is one of those plants that flowers before it leaves out. Right. Uh, so it does get going fairly early. When you look, so are the the little seedlings you're dealing with? They're what a foot or two tall right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was about three even, but the rabbit made sure that changed. Oh, dear. Okay. So, yeah, so lots of little cages on these, by the sounds of it, to keep the rabbits out. Um, Early spring is optimal. Uh, Yes, because while the plants are dormant, you know where you want to go with these seedlings because you know they're going to get to be fairly good-sized plants. I mean, they only grow maybe at the most 20 feet tall, but then they are also 20 feet wide. Actually, I have one. It's it's over the roof of a two-story house. Oh, wow. So it's really grown. Yeah, I've had that about 35, 40 years. Right. And it's a wide plant, so it needs space to really, you know, reach its, its optimal size. So if you've got locations or you know people who can take these, you can like, prepare the hole where you're going first, if it's on your property, get that dug out, make sure it's a, a reasonably good soil, it's well-drained, it's got, you know, good loamy aspect to it. If it's really rocky and clay, make sure you're adding some, you know, good organic material in there, composted manure, that sort of thing. When you dig, the good thing about spring is that the soil is nice and moist. When we have, whenever we transplant something, we want to get as big a root ball as we can, but we want the soil to stay stuck in, in, and the roots all stuck together. So uh, that's that's from what I'm transplanting. Yeah, okay. that's right. Mm-hmm. And so it's a sharp shovel, and you are going. To, I mean, if the plants are about two feet tall, uh, you're going to be able to lift a root ball that's at least a foot wide, and right. preferably, you know, eight inches, twelve inches deep. This is not a, a deeply rooted plant, but still, you know, you want to get as big a root ball as you can. So you're going to cut all the way around in that circle, uh, undercut with your sharp shovel. And these plants are small enough, you should be able to just pick the whole thing up on your shovel over to your already prepared hole, into the hole, and you're going to plant them a little bit higher than what they were growing because they're going to settle down a little bit okay. as they as they get watered in. Water immediately, even if it's raining, just water anyway. Uh, you know, not a, a couple of gallons kind of water, sure. and then let it go. Let 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 it settle in. If you can't put these into the land on your property right away, you can put them into pots as long as you've got. I'd say you know minimum five gallon pots. Uh, get them into that. You don't have to fill the pots right to the top if it's just a quick and dirty holding situation, you know, yeah, that's, half that's a That's all it would be. And what about pot. fertilizer? Would the root starter be very appropriate now or not necessarily for this kind of uh, transplant? Well, no, anytime you transplant root starter or root, uh, like a transplanter fertilizer is considered a good idea. Okay. There's the synthetic version, so that's the 515.5 plant start sort of thing. Right. Or there's the organic version, which is the bone meal. Either way, just upping the phosphorus at planting time can encourage roots. Do not do any other fertilizing, though, at all until next year. Okay, so anything, also even bone meal is really good. Though. Yeah, yeah, one or the other, though, bone meal or or the plant start, because they're virtually the same. It's just synthetic versus organic. Oh, oh that, that's really, really helpful. I, re- I really appreciate it. I just hope they, they survive the attack of the rabbits. That's yeah, all. that's a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But you know what? This There is a product called Plant Skid, S-K, 
why yes, you've yeah. spoken of that and i think i'll have to get it because even if i have them caged up you know i want them to be able to grow so yeah and you'll spray in the fall is what you'll do um and you'll spray the entire plant following the instructions and they even you know rabbits take advantage of the snow right so as the snow comes in they they can eat higher and higher into our plants yes, so that's, yeah oh so, that's right exactly. yes so so just be aware to to spray the entire plant based on temperature etc cetera, etc cetera. but it does last it's got a good longevity on the plants okay well thank you very much for your advice i really appreciate it thanks for calling thank you both have a good day you too okay thank you uh we have to take a pause for some important messages but we will be right back we have callers on the line right back here on the garden show don't change stations just because the weather changes garden tips and advice all year round this is the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on zoomer radio Yes, indeed, you are listening to The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And, Charlie, i got to tell you, we are loaded with first-time callers nice. today. Yeah, which is the delight. We're going to go to our first of those uh, uh, in Mississauga, Prikash. Uh, welcome to The Garden Show, Prikash. Hi, good morning. How are you? Morning. Good morning. I'm going to give you your garden wings, okay? Thank you. Okay, what do you got for Charlie there? Well, I feel like Tinkerbell now from Peter Pan. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Woohoo! It's okay, true. So here's a question on soil uh, quality. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been preoccupied in trying to move my soil. Uh, they're all in uh, four raised beds in my backyard. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to go from a sandy, silty loam to more of a clayish loam. Now, you know, I'm surprised that you can't go into a garden center and buy clay you, they <laughs> sell you they sell you um everything but sell you pellets of clay on amazon for an absorbent price so i'm just looking for some advice on how to make my soil a little bit more clayish now the reason why i'm so preoccupied with clay because this course i'm doing on science of soil says that oh look uh, clay is the only component of this thing that has a positive charge and it hangs on to nutrients which are oppositely charged and they're really useful to have. So I said, this mm-hmm. might be the reason I'm not getting the, the results I desire because mm-hmm. my, because as you as you pointed out on previous shows that as you put more of uh, soil into your area mm-hmm. of planting, the, uh, the compost and the, um, uh, the, the um, other things that you put in uh, get eaten up by the plants themselves, leaving you with silt and sand at the end of the day and a little right. bit of clay. So, Well, yeah, depending on what you started with. So these are raised beds that you filled originally? Did you build them? Yes. Okay. So when you filled them, do you remember what was your, what did you put in? Was it like triple mix or topsoil or what What was your... Of a mix of you know, a lot of topsoil and, 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 and compost. And okay. I, I compost my own leaves in the, in the, in the oh, autumn. Oh, yeah, good, good, good. Right. So you're feeling like you just don't have enough clay and it's too yeah. well-drained. That It's an interesting question. I can tell you right now, we have listeners who are all raising their hands saying, I can give you clay. <laughs> uh, my mother-in-law is one of them in Mount Hope. She's been battling clay for yeah, 40 years there, exactly. so she'll give you some of hers. When I was in Richmond Hill, it was like, why am I gardening? I should just start a pottery studio. I mean, it was pure <laughs> clay. It was serious, serious concrete-like clay. So, But I, you know, I worked away. At, at changing that, but you're absolutely right when you talk about clay. The particles are so so tiny; they actually are able to uh, hold a lot of nutrient just by virtue yeah. of the the, yeah. the biochemistry of that those particles. So, what are you going to do? I mean, typically we say add organic material to help with water retention. Mm-hmm. Triple mix should be a mix of one third. 
topsoil, one-third peat moss, and one-third manure. And topsoil, of course, any a, a traditional topsoil should be um, have a component of clay in it as much as 30%. Um, yes. You're right. You're not going to buy clay. And don't buy clay um, pellets on the web because those are designed for, um, well, for, for sure. For, hydroponics. Yeah. yeah, hydroponics and nutrient holding and air uh, aeration. So they won't be what you want. You're just going to spend a lot of money and, and be frustrated. Uh, I'm just trying to think. How about kitty litter, clay-based kitty litter? Because you know what? There are clay-based yes. kitty litters. I wouldn't put a lot, yeah. but yeah. putting a little bit of that in and literally... Do they have chemicals in them, though? They should not, but no. but again, you could check uh, just as a, as a source of, of clay. Uh, maybe yes. somebody else might have a thought on what how you would source clay. I mean... Other than going around the neighborhood with your with your wheelbarrow and going, anybody <laughs> want to give me a couple shovelfuls? I'll yeah. trade you. Um, but yeah, and a topsoil. If you ha- you're in the Mississauga area, so heading out to a local soil supplier might give you an option as well. There's always the you know the sort of the the, the big wholesalers with the big piles of compost and gravel and stone, etc. And somebody in one of those locations might be able to direct you as well. Okay, uh, thank you for your help. Yeah, good luck with that. That's a, yeah. that's a different challenge. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Prikash. Good, great question. And uh, it's, it's interesting how, depending on where we live, Charlie, we have different challenges. And as I say, my mother-in-law's for years, for as long <laughs> as I've been, you know, the 26 years I've been with my wife, she's every year yeah. there, she's putting on something to combat the right. heavy clay right. content that she has. Oh, I can't tell you what I put on my garden in Richmond Hill. I mean, over the years. There was something called Clay Breaker back in the day. I put yep. gravel, I put loads, like bales and bales of peat moss. Everything I added into my clay soil just disappeared. It all went down and the clay wow. came up and I, was, I finally just gave up i was like this is way too much work <laughs> and wow. where does it go so that's when i just started doing leaves it was all about leaves okay and so then my question is for for other listeners is it better than to uh, it seems that we are forever trying to plant things that not, aren't necessarily ideal for our space are we better to try and find the things that are better for what our soil is uh, both but okay yeah, yeah you know and even something is like yeah, so obviously light levels are kind of the first mode of what can I plant. And then you're right. Then there's the soil. Do I have the right soil? And then if you even get further into it, you'll start getting into wind. Uh, you'll get into pollution. You'll mm. get into drainage. You know, is it a moist or is it a dry spot? You know, just really trying to put the right plant in the right place is the best. And you can't do too much research on that. That's for sure. Okay, okay. Okay, let's go to our next caller. We have uh, Barb calling from Lindsay. Welcome to the Garden Show, Barb. Oh, good morning, Gene uh, and Charlie. Good morning. Um, um, I have a question about uh, three amaryllis bulbs that I was given for Christmas. Um, they weren't grown in soil. They were wrapped in wax. Oh, yeah. Um, they be- bloom beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um and I want to save them. Mm-hmm. How do I go about doing that? What do they look like right now? Do they have green leaves? Um, the leaves are finished. They bloom for three months, but the leaves um, died back. But there's new green shoots coming up on all of them. Okay, so when you say that, so the leaves didn't die back, the flower died back. And what's coming up now are leaves. Yeah, but yeah. The, the, the yellow stalks. Yeah. 
the yellow stalks were the flower stalks, and that makes sense. That once they're finished okay. blooming, they slowly turn yellow, and then you remove, obviously, the flowers and the yellow stalk. But if you've got green leaves starting to emerge, and you want to keep these bulbs, I would. So there's usually a little wire in the bottom that's been stuck in to help the the amaryllis stand up. You got to get yourself some pots. You got to get yourself some potting soil. You have to take out those wires that are in the bottom. I would use. Um, some warm water, uh, even even like a hair dryer, just to soften some of that wax and see if you can remove it without doing. Well, I, I did remove it all. Oh, okay, good. On, on all of them. Then get them and into I soil. I remove the um, almost like a crepe type covering, brown yep. covering on them. Yep. Um, there's no vi- roots visible. The bottom of it looks like looks like a celery stalk. Right. Right. So, um, but once but I don't see any wire. Okay. Well, that's fine. Whatever, what, something helped them stand up when they were just waxed. They're, these are these, you know, no water amaryllis. They're kind of a cool, kind of a trendy thing that's come out in the last few years. But as long as you've got the bulb as cleaned up as you can, get them into soil. When you plant, obviously you're going to plant into potting soil, not garden soil. You're going to only uh, cover the lower two-thirds or half of the bulb. The other half or third is going to stick up out of the soil. You're going to water once, you're going to put them on a sunny windowsill somewhere, and you're not going to water again until the soil is bone dry, uh, And um, because you, what you're going to do by providing some moist soil is get some roots growing, and leaves have to grow. You're going to let, you have to let these, these bulbs grow leaves for the next six months. Okay. We'll talk again in August about what you're going to do with these bulbs that are just big, massive bunch of leaves, because at, in August we're going to put them all away uh, in preparation for Christmas. But for now, treat them as a houseplant, tropical, big green leaves, water as necessary, lots of sun, outside, preferably if we, uh, once we're frost-free. Fertilize? Yeah, you could once they're in the soil and you've got they've been in, in the pots for at least a month. We've got some roots growing. Now you can mix up some fertilizer as per package directions and give them a bit of fertilizer. But to fertilize when there are no roots is a waste. So at the bottom, it looks like it's still waxy. Maybe I don't know. How do the roots? They'll grow through. They'll, they'll grow through the wax. Oh, yeah, will they? yeah oh, okay. once they're given optimal conditions. So just make sure okay. that it's, it's the optimal you're trying to achieve there. Perfect. Okay. Thank you very much. Good luck. Thanks. <laughs> I love it. Oh, are you there, Dean? Oh, it's just me. There you oh, go. And the amaryllis oh, questions oh. never cease, do they? I know. It's, <laughs> it's, it's exactly. Gotta, it's hilarious. And you know book. what? I, I'm even thinking along those lines. I'm grateful for the call because I'm thinking, oh, okay, right. I have to put them outside. I have to wait till after the frost. And mm. I got all giddy about August already. <laughs> I have, gosh, seven or eight pots of amaryllis taking up my office right now. Wow. There's just wow. Too, too many, too many. <laughs> but they're so well, you beautiful. Won't, you won't say that at Christmas. You won't say too not. many. No, no, of course not. Right. No, I share right. them. I, I let. I take them to people's houses and let them enjoy the flowers, and then I make them give them back to me after they're finished flowering. Beautiful. Because they never beautiful. know what to do with them, right? <laughs> okay, we have another first-time caller on the line. We have Earl calling from Brantford, Ontario. Welcome to the Garden Show, Earl. Hello. Welcome. Wait, right. wait. I'm, wings. I'm going to give you your garden wings. Those nice spring garden wings. There you, there go. you go, Earl. What do you got for Charlie? Okay, I have four clematis. Mm-hmm. Two of them spring in late 
during uh, late spring, early summer, mm-hmm. and two of them, the white ones, they bloom in September, mm-hmm. and they've gone out of whack, and the white ones, they cover the whole top of the, mm-hmm. my fence. Mm-hmm. They've got to be about 20 feet long across the top of the fence, mm-hmm. and three years ago, I had the same plant that did the same thing, and I cut it down to about six, seven inches ab- above the ground. And it died. Mm-hmm. So now I'm back to the same spot again where the, these white ones have grown right across the top. And it looks like snow in September. Oh, they're gorgeous. I think it's called Autumn Glory. I'm scared actually. now to cut it because now to fall. I said the last time I cut them down, they died. Right. So I'm in the thing again because, like I said, two of them bloom in the, in the spring mm-hmm. or late spring, early summer. They're, one's red and one's purple. But Beautiful. the two white ones bloom in September. Right. So and what one of you them now is got is got completely out of whack. Yeah. It's gone about twenty feet across my fence. Oh no, they're it back. No, they're lovely, lovely plants. And and your point is a good one. Is the flat the different time that they flower indicates they're completely different clematis. Right. Your spring bloomers slash summer bloomers are very different from your autumn bloomers. So the one you probably have is called sweet autumn the, with the white flowers and very very vigorous growth. So yeah. vigorous that it's uh, likely become a bit of an invasive plant in the United States. Not here because you know. They don't have as long of a growing season. But um, the way this works is your autumn glory, your white blooming, fall blooming clematis blooms on this year's growth, what we call new wood. So if you're going to do any pruning on that plant, the time to prune is after the flowering finishes in the late fall or the very early spring. At, now, do you take it down to six inches? Not normally. Not like we do with the summer blooming, like the um, Jack Manny and those clematis. So uh, actually, more or less, you just cut it off the top part of the, of the fence. Uh, yeah. Um, you yeah, can the name, prune... The name of it, I'm going to probably pronounce it wrong. Panacutula? Oh, paniculata. Yeah, no, that's fine. Okay, that's good. It's a, a paniculata is just refers to the kind of flower it has. But um, yeah, it, 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 any of the fall bloomers, any any pruning takes place late fall or very early spring, like now. Uh, prune lightly. Well, you can prune lightly, or you can take it down to halfway. But I wouldn't do more than that. Oh, okay, because that's what I think. Cause like I said, the last time, because that's the one, and the, the rest are all older. That's the newest one. And now it's gone out of whack. And I'm scared to cut it because the last time <laughs> I cut it down, I killed it. <laughs> well, yeah, timing is everything when it comes to clematis. That's and, for sure. Uh, like I say, the September mm. ones, the ones that bloom in the fall, are very hard to find. Mm-hmm. It, it took me almost a year to find it again because everybody's got the, the summer ones. I know. No, you're absolutely right. No, you really do have to look for it. And it but it's a lovely, lovely plant. Yeah, as I said, in September, my whole top of my fence looks like it's snow. Snow, and it's fragrant, too. So, yeah, no, good for you. It's a good, great one to grow, and don't be afraid. Give it a give it a bit of a, a, a shearing. If it's very new in your garden, like just planted in the last year or so, go lightly on the shearing. And the reason you're going to do that is just you want to encourage more growth, and you'll have more flowers. Oh, okay, yeah, because I was just scared, like I said, how far down to cut it. Yeah. So yep. I just cut the top part off, the part's all above the fence. Yeah, good idea. Okay. Your yeah, wife. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tell your wife she can call us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks for the call, there, Earl. <laughs> thanks, Earl. Good, good luck with your clematis. <laughs> sounds like it's a a good problem. My goodness, it sounds like a glorious clematis. Yeah, they are. They're really, really nice. He's. It sounds like he's got the right conditions for it too. Yes, indeed. Okay. Uh, we need to uh, pause. We need to hear some important and appreciated messaging. Uh, but uh, I'm going to give those numbers out before we do that. If you uh, live in Toronto, four one six three six zero zero seven forty. 
I have room on the lines here for you to give Charlie a call. If you live anywhere outside Toronto in the province of Ontario, it is a toll-free number, 1-866-740-4740. Okay, we will be right back with much more here on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, it is The Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio, and it is the first day of April. And uh, no fooling. We are here to answer your questions. <laughs> no fooling around. <laughs> no fooling around. No fooling around. And, you know, we get to go uh, south of the border for this mm-hmm. next call. We have uh, Catherine on the line. She's calling from New York. Welcome to the Garden Show, Catherine. Hello. Morning. Hello. And you are a first-time caller, so I'm going to give you your Canadian garden wings. <laughs> there you go. So All Thank right. you so much. Welcome. I have... Uh, thank you so much. I've been listening for a while, but this is the first time I've called. I'm concerned about my gardenia. Mm. It's uh, one year old in my house. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it has bloomed, and mm-hmm. I have been watering it, but I think I'm watering it either too much or either it should be watered from the top rather than the bottom or sprayed or, you know, it's mm-hmm. sitting on little rocks, little Oh, yeah, good, 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 good. And I want to fertilize it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, you go to Google and they tell you this, that, and the other. <laughs> so I put I put some coffee grounds, you know, okay. in the soil yeah. and kind of mixed it up a little bit because the soil was dry. Mm-hmm. Right. And it Don't needs to perk that. up. But now it's not looking any too good. And leaves are trying to turn yellow. Mm-hmm. Um, I cut those leaves off. And uh, now we've got some green leaves, but it looks like it's in distress. And I really need to say that. Right. Oh, yeah. They're beautiful plants and so fragrant. Speaking of fragrance. They eh? are. Yeah. Oh, so when, yeah. when we buy gardenias, usually they're available for sale in the spring, early summer, and they're in pots yeah. and they're full of buds. And they're just, we're super excited. Glossy green mm-hmm. leaves, you know, just everything is good. Beautiful. Uh, yep. Now, our challenge as people in charge of gardenias is to try and provide for them the optimal tropical environment. Gardenias naturally grow where the humidity is very high uh, and the uh, temperatures are also quite warm. Uh, And so our challenge in the winter is we have the warm house, but it's very dry as opposed to very humid. Spritzing that plant multi-times a day is fine. The pebble tray idea is excellent. So the plant sits on the pebbles. You always have water in the tray below. So you've got that extra humidity being provided by that water evaporating mm-hmm. around the plant. That's good. Okay. Fertilizing mm-hmm. is good with a gardenia-type fertilizer, which is going to be uh, also good for... Um, or You'll find an orchid fertilizer will work fine, an azalea or rhododendron fertilizer, because they oh. like an acidic soil. Follow the instructions on the fertilizer, and keep them moister than most plants. Water. I would water from the top, um, it, on oh. the surface of the soil, okay. let the. Thank of course, you. there's drainage holes in the pot, so you water so thoroughly that the water is going to go through the drainage holes into that gravel below. So you know oh, you're doing right. a, a thorough watering, and you feel the surface of the soil. Depending on how much sun, because you do want it in a bright spot. It doesn't have to be right in a hot window, but you do want it in a bright spot in your home. Feel the surface of the soil. If it's feeling mm-hmm. just a little bit dry, add water. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Thank you. All right. So, yeah, lots bye. of water. <laughs> okay. okay, yeah. Thank you so much for the call there, Catherine. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Uh, quest- question, uh, is it a gardenia sometimes reminds me of a rose. Is it? Is it anywhere related or no? No, no, not no. at all. It, yeah, it's just... No. <laughs> Different family. The, I mean, yes, okay. they're related if you go back far enough, I guess, in the in the fossil record, but not really. Yeah. They're very different, different plants. But yeah, it's so plant. cool when you see gardenias growing in their natural world. Like when I was in Hawaii, mm-hmm. I, you know, stopped at a coffee shop and there were these gorgeous gardenias growing outside the entrance to the coffee shop, just wow. doing their thing, blooming, being bushy plants. It was like, right. And of course, to the people who own the coffee shop, it's probably nothing, right? Exactly. It's an indigenous yeah, plant, right? Exactly. So they're whatever. Well, yeah, I know it's not necessarily indigenous there, but it's just, it's whatever. Yeah, it just grows there. They, you know, they hack it down with a chainsaw every now and then. It's like when you live in British Columbia, rhododendrons aren't so exciting the way they are here because there's just yeah. so many of them. Wow. Okay. Uh, Let's go to our next caller. We have uh, Dora on the line, and she is uh, a Toronto caller. Welcome to the Garden Show, Dora. Thank you. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Dean. Good morning. My son bought a potted miniature rose, Mm -hmm. and it bloomed for a while, and now he said it is covered in those little white mites Mm. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The bad news, well, there's two bits of news here. One is he should probably just throw it out. Um, They're sweet little plants, but they do come with often something, whether it's whitefly, aphids, mealybugs. There's always something on mini roses. They are grown in huge quantities. Millions and millions of them are grown every year, and it's virtually impossible for the growers to produce perfectly sterile plants when they've got, and they're so pretty, right? Mm. However, if your son wants to take on the challenge and the plant is is reasonably healthy, don't worry about the lack of flowers because we can always get it to rebloom. But for now, it becomes a, a cutting it back. So it's probably about four or five or six inches tall. Cut it back by half. Everything that is cut off goes in the garbage because it's going to contain eggs of whatever the insect is that's on there. And then he's going to get out safer soap or um, he's going to make up a soap solution, not detergent, but soap, 40 parts water to one part soap. And he's going to spray and he's going to spray, oh gosh, every single day for about three weeks (laughs) and and until it drips. And he's going to spray water after the soap. So you spray the soap, let it sit for half an hour, spray water, mm-hmm. let it all drip off. Do not let that plant be in full sun when the soap solution is on the plant because it'll kill it. Okay. And, you know, so it's a bit of a thing. Theoretically, though, he may, he should be able to, with soap, annihilate whatever the pest is that's on there. And then maybe by that time it'll be May and he can put it outside into the sun and uh, it'll really grow up as a, as a really pretty rose for the summer. Oh, wonderful. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay. Yeah, thanks for the call there. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a tricky one, right? You know, oh, when those know. bugs get on there, it's a, that's a, quite the challenge. Exactly. And it's not like you can just pull out the old diazinon or whatever it is, malathion we used to use. That yeah. is no longer available, plus it stopped working. So uh, it does become a bit of a challenge. And I, some people love the idea of, well, I'll just use Raid and I'll put the plant in a plastic bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sometimes kind of works, but it also can be really hard on the plant. Right. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's go to our final break, and uh, we will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, 
for Scythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here on the Garden Show, and Charlie, got to tell you, when you were talking to that last caller about the uh, the ratio of safer soap to water, forty mm-hmm. to one, you said, mm-hmm. you reminded me of something that's very springish, because forty to one is the ratio of sap to maple syrup, and oh. that is, season is coming, so that got me all giddy. Oh, you haven't had your maple syrup season yet. Well, I mean, now is the time where the sap starts to run, right? I yeah, mean, it yeah. starts, to, time, starts to go now. And I just happen to know because, you know, we've talked about it. Yeah. I've talked about it with people over the years because right. I love maple syrup that it's a 40 to 1 ratio. Well, where I live, it was maple in the county last weekend. Was and, it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, so it was uh, oh. certain places were open and I can't. Yeah. Oh. I tell you, we went to a place, the pancakes, top secret recipe, you can't get the recipe. They must have been three quarters of an inch thick. They were so fluffy and the size of dinner plates. So you paid your money, you got two pancakes, some sausages, and all the maple syrup you wanted. Oh, okay. I'm so there next year. I'm booking it. (laughs) (laughs) I love this time of year. Love it, love it, love it. It was delicious. Okay, let's go to Ethel in Toronto. Um, welcome to the Garden Show, Ethel. Yes, good morning to both of you. Good morning. Good morning. I uh, have a question. I had a boxwood removed last summer, you know, because of the, uh, it got diseased. Yep. So now I would love to have a rose garden put in there. Oh. Would I have to change the soil completely or the existing soil is okay? Existing soil is okay as long as it's a reasonably fertile, yeah. loamy soil. But remember, roses need a minimum of six hours of direct sunlight mm-hmm. every day. Yes, it would have it. Okay. would have it. Now, I would need your expertise again. What type of rose? I'm, I'm thinking of the low shrub mm-hmm. rose. Rose bushes. Anything, anything you can suggest for me? How wide, how wide is the bed? Well, I could put in there four for, uh, easily. Four uh, bushes. Four roses? Yes. Huh. Okay. You know what? Oh, there's so many great roses out there. <laughs> tell you what, I'm going to tell you next week. I'm going to look up some of my okay, favorite roses. That's good. Um, okay, as long as you've got, you got the sun, you've yes. got the re- you know, good quality soil, yes. and you will be in charge of fertilizing and pruning these roses and yes. visiting them every single day to make sure that if aphids arrive, you're on top of it and you don't let the aphids take over. Okay. okay. I love roses. You yeah, know, me and, too. And, uh, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking to put in there right now. I'd, so that, uh, okay, I will listen to your show next, next week. Next week, my favorite, my top four roses to share with Ethel. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thanks Have for the call, great. Ethel. I'm Have looking forward to people. it already to find out the favorite roses. <laughs> there you go. Okay, let's go to our, uh, our next caller. We have, uh, we have one more caller on the line. We have Maureen from North York. Welcome to the Garden Show, Maureen. Good morning. Good morning, Shadi. Good morning, good morning. I know it's running out of time, so I'm going to be very fast. I have a bunch of seeds, sweet pea seeds and cornflower seeds, and they don't, some seeds give them months, but these ones say early spring. Is it too early to plant them? Uh, do you, did you say corn? Cornflowers. Oh, cornflowers. Cornflowers. It's considered a weed by some people, but I love them. <laughs> oh, no, that's fine. No, it's, a, it's too early to plant them directly outside, but if you wanted to start them inside, your timing is good. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. There are some that we can direct seed now that will handle the cool soil. Um, Pansies come to mind. Uh, Oh gosh, what else? Um, Sweet peas, we could be direct seeding now. But most seeds want warmer soil than what we currently have. So you're going to have to wait. Wait until, I mean, I I recognize the frost is out, Mm -hmm. but we need some sunny days before we are really in a good position to have the, the soil warm enough. Oh, so I've got three packs of sweet peas, so I can put them in now. Sure you can, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> but more, right? <laughs> yeah, I know, I hear you. But Maureen, remember, the, the thing I haven't mentioned and I really need everybody to remember is at this time of year, we've got a lot of moisture in our soil, whether it's gardens or lawns. There's a lot of mushy springiness. It's good. Yeah. We want that moisture there. Don't be walking out into your garden or onto your lawns as long as that springiness is there. We've got to wait till everything dries down a bit. Um, you'll okay. know you can start wor- working in your garden when you can take a handful of soil, make a fist, open your, your fist up, and if the soil drops apart, you can start working your soil. But if it stays in a little little ball in your hand, stay out of the garden. So I know okay, that's I'll a challenge. That. Yeah, so I know, Thank Maureen, I, I, gotta, I feel like I should go and tie you down because I know you're, you want to get out there. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely right. <laughs> Do what you can from hard surfaces, like the edge of the driveway, the walkways, that sort of thing. If you can access to weeding, pruning, planting, from a hard surface, you're fine. Just don't be walking on the soil yet. Okay, I will not do that. I promise. Okay, good for you. <laughs> Thanks for calling. Okay, have a great weekend. You too. Bye. Thank you. You too, Maureen. I was going to say, uh, you've given Maureen her marching orders. You've actually given her her non-marching orders. <laughs> don't too. march on the lawn just yet. Nobody. Everybody stay off your lawns for now and your gardens. It's just too wet still, which is fine. I mean, it's only the beginning of April, but we're itching to go, so it's one of those things you want to get out there. But try and stay off if you can. And I yeah, guess- and, and, and I'm feeling like that too. I just want to get out there and see what's coming up. Yeah. You know, it's just so exciting. True. But if you need to just take a little walk, make sure you don't walk in the same spots. Like, you know, don't be, you you, you are compacting the soil when you're walking. So be very, very gentle. Walk lightly, lightly on the land. And I guess you have a busy week ahead of you visiting the dentist. Yes, I do. Good luck with that. (laughs) Thank you very much. Yes, I've had some ongoing issues, but uh, yeah, it's... uh, it's, it's speaking, it's, it's not roots, but a root canal. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's always a connection, right? There you go. <laughs> All, right. All right. Good luck to you. Thank you Thank so you. much for being here. I, uh, considering how drugged up you are, you've done very, very well. well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Carlos. Thank you. Thanks to the great callers. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.